This episode of the Check Out This Record podcast is brought to you by GuitarExclusive.com. Visit now for buying guides, reviews, and more. GuitarExclusive.com. And welcome to the Rock, Rock, Rock and Roll podcast. Check out this record. <laughs> My name is Mark, and with us, as always, calling directly, not from London, it's Frankie D. Hey, 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 Mark. I'm not hateful at all. And if you think so, you got the wrong um, boyo. <laughs> We're talking about an absolute classic album from 1980 uh, or 79 if you're in the UK. Uh, it's London Calling. Uh, mm-hmm. But before we get into that, uh, your friends have probably been wondering why your taste in music has suddenly become uh, the only thing you want to talk about. Well, good music shouldn't be a secret. So tell them to check out, check out this record. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Amazon Music. Hell, we're wherever you can find the finest of podcasts. We're even on the YouTube that's right. So set that Led Zeppelin collection aside and know that new episodes drip to the drop directly to your ears. And of course, for your listening pleasure. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. For the uninitiated here on Check Out This Record, Frank and I, that's him, go through albums track by track and tell you what we really think about them. Uh, but that's not all. Oh, no, no. We also have a wide array of musical discussions, like in our Spotlight series, where we'll dig into a band's catalog and see what comes out the other side. That's right. Or in our verse series, we're going to pit two albums against each other. And you know Mm -hmm. what they're going to do? They're going to duke it out for total stereo. (laughs) Mother Clucker's back, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget to pop over to the world-famous Tube of the U and watch (laughs) as we make silly faces and pull out Mother Clucker, uh, <laughs> to try to keep you entertained as we put this show together. And who knows? There may be some exclusive content yet to come. You definitely won't want to miss it. Be sure to fire off a click on the old subscribe button while you're at it there, pal. That's right. Now, social media is your thing. Boo. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook. We'll drop additional content. So mark yourself safe from all that crappy music and give us a follow. Uh, wherever you are and whenever you're not looking at pornography. <laughs> we, totally mi- we totally mixed that up a little bit. But anyway, we sure did. I think we know uh, where we're at now, right? <laughs> yep. All right. Now uh, you've liked and clicked this thing uh, and it's playing. So it's time to talk about the mother flipping clash. You know, some call them the only band that matters. Yeah, they do. They do. And they're not entirely wrong. <laughs> All right. All those dildos who only half listened to Led Zeppelin on one review uh, will be pissed to know how much you and I love this record, Frank, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. they think we just hate stuff. But that's their problem. Uh, now, back uh, the backstory on The Clash, excuse me, yeah. uh, is complicated. And oh, yeah. there are a handful of really great documentaries and, and podcasts that go through it really deeply. So um, really good stuff. You know, in the name of saving Frank and I just a ton of breath, we're going to skip over uh, how they got here and jump uh, just pick up. Yeah, you know, uh, we're going to pick up at the back end 
of their second album, Given Enough Rope, so Fun. that we can catch up right up to here where we are. Uh, you know, Given Enough Rope, a, a straightforward punk rock record uh, with all the earmarks of the late 70s punk movement uh, with its sh- share of absolute classic tracks. Uh, the yeah. band changed managers at, afterwards uh, and a stint of writer's block uh, gave them time to absorb the sounds of London beyond their punk rock uh, contemporaries. London Calling sees them dive uh, guitar first into reggae, rockabilly, ska, pop, jazz, new wave, and uh, some hard rock, if you will. Still a very socially aware album, the band pressed their style and sound into new directions without compromising who they are. So who are they? Great question. Thanks for asking. Joe Strummer, lead guitar, backing vocals, rhythm guitar, and piano. Uh, Mick Jones, lead guitar, some more piano, harmonica, and some backing vocals. Paul Simonon, Simonon. I always want to say cinnamon, and I, I got a <laughs> cinnamon. Uh, bass guitar, backing vocals, and lead vocals on the Guns of Brixton, certainly yeah. one we'll be talking about. Uh, Topper Hedden on drums and percussion. There are some additional players on this album as well. Uh, Mickey Gallagher on the organ uh, and a group known as the Irish Horns. Uh, Rave Beavis, I can't make that up, on tennis sax. John Earl, tenor and baritone sax. Chris Gower on trombone and Dick Hansen, <laughs> trumpet and flugelhorn. That dick sure can blow a flugelhorn. <laughs> well, with that many people, it's easy to see why they had uh, some ska songs on this record, my man. Seriously, nine dudes on the album, and you can really feel the work they put in to make this double LP one yeah. of the best rock and roll albums of all time, consistently being ranked in the top 20 of most major lists. Yeah, over 5 million copies sold worldwide, certified platinum in a number of countries. Just absolutely incredible. Yeah, right you are, my friend. Now, there have been a few anniversary and deluxe releases of London Con, but Frank and I, prefer to do uh what we're doing we're going to the original work uh, so you don't have to worry about listening to you know 95 tracks of this uh frank pick up the receiver it's london calling well the wiener schnitzel may i take your order please and don't forget the bill sperm (laughs) (laughs) all right all right Uh, the double lp so uh on the a side track one london calling uh, Frank, title track right up front here as the clash come marching in. This apocalyptic, politically charged anthem features the band's signature punk rock sound that fans are used to already. The song focuses, uh, the song's focus, excuse me, is around Strummer's fear of nuclear war and the chaos that would overtake London if war broke out there again. Uh, heavy stuff, Frank. Lots to unpack here. Care, care to give it a goo? Yeah, uh, for the apocalyptic and all of us, trust me, uh, I think Skynet is is coming for us any day now. So, yeah, I I can relate. Uh, This song, along with the video, always had like a spooky element. I remember first hearing the lyric too, like phony Beatlemania is bit in the dust. And being such a Beatle fan, I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah, so Mm -hmm. taken back by that. Uh, Many of the same sentiments, of course, can be applied to today or perhaps any other point of time in human history. Uh, Musically, it's one of the first and early punk tunes that expanded the sound um that it didn't have to be loud and ruckus at the end of the day which uh strummer definitely had a musical vision here and it's quite beautiful how that all wrapped up into this song excellent track two 
brand new Cadillac, originally written and performed by Vince Taylor and his Playboys. Ooh. What a great name for a backing band, if I do say so myself. Oh, yeah. Here's that hit of Rockabilly uh, you heard me mention. Uh, track two seems a bit early for a cover, but this album is all about not knowing what's coming around the next band. And in that context, it really kind of works for them. What are your thoughts, Frank? I love the placement of the cover of track two. Why? Because it's the uppercut to London Calling's jab, right? It's a sprinkle of rockabilly with straight up rock and roll power that gives the song edge and grit. It's a perfect way to move the album into the third track, Mark, which is Jimmy Jazz. Here we get a, a little bit of that jazz in our rock and roll. Uh, the Irish horns earned their paycheck here. Uh, Frank, <laughs> you're not telling the cops where they can find Jimmy ZZJAZZ, are you? No, 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 no. And this was actually derived from jam sessions, uh, and it's the most radical departure from the punk that people thought uh, of them musically. Uh, and to me, actually, that's punk <laughs> that they went and did this. <laughs> that's the definition, right, of the individual. It's a great tune. It's toned, toned down from the prior two tracks. I love the overall vibe. Track four, Hateful. Hmm. There is a good blend of, of punk and new wave forming here musically. Lyrically, the song addresses drug addiction and how it changes the user, turning them hateful uh, and robbing them of their minds. I love the clap part yeah. personally, as I always do love a clap part. Frank, how hateful are you? Well, it depends on the day of the week, my friend. I'm a weird balance. I have some pretty <laughs> intense personality traits, but I try to keep them at bay with my beautiful set of teeth. Mm -hmm. uh, you're right, man. This is a great blend of punk and new wave again. Strummer and Jones and company were really trying to push the sound here. And I appreciate the push. Excellent. Track five, Rudy can't fail. Uh, Strummer and Jones with a bit of a duet here yeah. on this reggae and rock steady influence number. Uh, the track is a reference to the rude boys of the 60s in Jamaica who yeah. challenged the status quo of the elders who were uh, standing up for their collective rights. Mm -hmm. Or excuse me, who weren't standing right. up for their collective right. right. Frank, has Rudy indeed failed? I mean, I'd like to think that Scott sometime will make a comeback. Yeah, uh, but this is a great tune and shows the switching between Jones and Strummer. And there's also a great cover by the my, my boss tones on the class tribute record, which mm -hmm. it which is pretty fun. So uh, check that out as well while you're at it. Definitely. Uh, turn over that first LP. It's time for the B-side as we tra into, uh, travel into track six. <laughs> I <got> Spanish <laughs> Bomb. Uh, Strummer and Jones sharing lead vocals here again. Uh, this time on a track Strummer wrote on his way to the recording studio after listening to a news report of terror bombings uh, of terrorist hotels on Costa Brava. Uh, which remain, reminded him of the ongoing IRA, I wrote that backwards, struggles uh, happening at the same time in the United Kingdom. Musically, the band plays this one a little light and juxtaposes heavy lyrics against an otherwise musically upbeat pop tune structure. Frank, this one is a, a mm. personal favorite of mine. How does Spanish Bombs stick to you? One of my personal favorites for them as well, and not only this version, but the live version for the Shea Stadium oh, yeah. is equally as good. They do a couple things different. Um, heavy content, 
with a, with an upbeat nature, as you said, which is a great compliment to each other. Uh, the including of the Spanish lyrics is awesome as well. Uh, it's just a great track that gets you singing and, and thinking all at the same time. So mission accomplished. <laughs> there you go, George W. Uh, track seven, <laughs> the right profile. Uh, it's Montgomery Clift, honey. Uh, but who is he? And is he all right? <laughs> a bit more of jazz here. Uh, as the Clash explored the idea of identifying this mysterious figure, he's wrecked his car. He's missing his shoes. Mm-hmm. Is he all right? Is he alive? Frank, he's got the right profile. But what the hell is going on here? Montgomery Cliff was an American actor, and the song's about the car crash and his alcohol and drug abuse. Uh, this car crash was in 56, and his death was in 66, and it was coined as the longest suicide in Hollywood history. Uh, it's a cool track, cool vibe, cool story, cool topic for a song. Hell yeah. Uh, track eight, Lost in the Supermarket. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mick Jones taking full charge of lead vocals this go around. But the song was penned by Strummer when he lived above a supermarket. Uh, The song's lyrics describe someone struggling to deal with an increasingly commercialized world and rampant consumerism. Uh, The song speaks to numbness of suburban alienation and the feelings of disillusionment that come through youth in modern society. Frank, this is another one one of my favorites. But you worked in a suburban supermarket. How does it hit you? I remember hearing the song for the first time and saying, this is my favorite song from The Clash, like hands down. It's up there. If it's not number one, of course, things are always, you know, mm-hmm. able to be toggled. Uh, the more Clash fans you speak to, the more you find out how much they adore the song. And it's cool, as you said, that Strummer wrote it and Joan sings it. What's crazy, at least I can't, and anyone please drop comments as to where you can't, but I can't find a live recording of this mm-hmm. video or of this song being performed anywhere. It is crazy to think of a song that has such a huge cult following. Um, you know, it, it, it just, I can't find it. I can't find it. All that's there is the audio recordings and, and what we have. Uh, and yes, uh, working in a supermarket during my formative years, I can relate. It's a beautiful and touching song and it cuts right to the core. All right. Track nine. It's a clamp down, baby. Oh, baby. Uh, <laughs> lyrically, this song concerns itself with uh, those who have forsaken the idealism of youth and urge uh, young people to fight the status quo. The term clamp down was a hot button, especially back in the 70s, as the government and police were actively applying a clamp down on strikers, agitators, football hooligans. Let's face it, they deserve it. Punks. <laughs> I don't, I don't know that for sure. Uh, so if you're a football hooligan, don't come beat me up. Uh, and other perceived threats to Funny. the social, economic, and moral well-being of the United Kingdom. Frank, United Kingdom. socially, the clash headed back toward uh, that punk rock sound that got him here. How does such a socially minded song hold up now? As I, cough. <laughs> As I cough here. I got another cough. Hold on. Yep. <clears throat> Frank Coffin music. Sorry, All right. Yeah. Oh, man. You hit me with a really uh, demanding and burdensome uh, question to answer. And I really thank you for that. Uh, that's what I love about our friendship, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. I thought long and hard about a proper response. And a socially minded song like this will always have relevance as long as there are people in the world. The only difference is time progresses is what side of culture does the song stand up against based on what's dominant for the time. And that interpretation is different for us all. And hopefully that made sense in my diplomatic response. 
It works for me, my brother. Track 10, <laughs> The Guns of Brixton. Oh, uh, written and sung by, by baseman Paul Simonon. Cinnamon. Uh, Cinnamon. Uh, we get a thick dose of rock steady, uh, which was the predominant sound of Brixton, where Cinnamon uh, grew up. The song speaks to the resilience of youth uh, against, uh, excuse me, amongst uh, gang-filled streets. Uh, I've always loved the message of never giving up and fighting back when you have to. Frank, uh, what are you going to do when they kick down your front door? Well, considering I've been a ticking time bomb lately, I might just be the wrong <laughs> person to have that happen to. So there you pew, go. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> uh, great song capturing the Clash's love for Rocksteady and Ska. Uh, such grooves in this song. Um uh, all over and Paul does a great job and I love watching this live uh, that Paul's on guitar and Strummer's actually switching to bass on this that's pretty cool to see at the end of the day uh, so it's always a good song yeah man all right it's time for that second LP so second uh, LP Seaside Up track 11 it's the wrong Amboyo uh, written by Clive Alfonso and originally performed by the rulers about uh, Stagger Lee mm. and the murder of Billy Lyons by Stagger Lee Shelton uh, in St. Louis, Missouri in, at Christmas 19, excuse me, 1885. I put 1985 and that wouldn't have happened yet. Uh, the clash picked the tempo up here significantly compared to the original, uh, a cautionary tale about uh, cheating a trying man. Don't you know it's it's wrong? To treat a cheetah trying man. Frank, the clash leaned pretty hard into the reggae sound that was so popular in London in the time. How well does that choice stand up today? Yeah, I mean, I'm a fanboy here to me. Uh, it, I think this sounds current. Again, I wish bands were bringing this style more in the forefront of music today so more people can learn and love it as much as me and you do, Mark. Oh, well, back to Taylor Swift. Oh, not on this program. <laughs> Death or glory. Uh, is about the previous uh, to Strummer's generation of rock stars who swore that they would die before growing old. Uh, and of course, we're just growing old and bitter uh, as bands like The Clash change the sound and motivations. Uh, I don't know why I wrote that with this crazy thing called punk rock. Uh, Frank, what'll it be? Death or glory? Both. I, I like how this is about Strummer and as he's looking back on his life, acknowledging the complications or responsibilities of adulthood, uh, looking um, as he's looking back. But at 12 songs in, Mark, uh, we're still getting these gems. And that's that's important to note on this album. Yeah, absolutely. It's a big old double album, right? We're, we're up to track 13, Coca-Cola, all, mm. all K's instead of C's, elevator going up. Uh, corporate greed on the chopping block here. This one's quick, under two minutes in length, but packed with cutting lyrics about the pressures of the corporate world, particularly in advertisement. Uh, Frank, I've been asking if these songs hold up a lot, but I can't <laughs> feel that we're we're still stuck in this moment Joe wrote about over 40 years ago. Uh, what says you? It's that slippery snake of that company again, this time mm -hmm. with the backdrop of soda. Uh, what's changed today is that the PR has gotten smarter, so it makes it seem like they actually care. But we all know they, they don't. don't. <laughs> Ooh, ladies and gentlemen, louder in the back. Uh, <laughs> track 14, The Card Cheat. Uh, writing credits to everyone in the band on this one, with Jones taking the lead vocal role here. Uh, lyrically, we get a glimpse into the mind of a card cheat mm. who's just been caught and is about to be executed out back quicker than old Yeller. 
Uh, Frank, musically, there's so much going on here from the piano intro to the horns uh, and this almost loungy groove. I'm hypnotized by this number. How on earth do they pull off and why does it work so well here? I think it works so well because we get the change up to mix lead. Um, also, at this point in the album, we're getting lots of variety. So it's keeping things fresh and invigorating. Uh, it's like, where will they go next? So again, the engagement is there. The value is there. Uh, and and this is what you get with a heavy layered song like this. Sometimes you can't even figure out the genre, which is, which is really cool at the end of the day. Because again, it just keeps you wanting to listen to the record. Absolutely. Uh, we're turning the corner and putting on the D side here. Track 15. Oh. Frank, get comfortable. It's time for a little Lover's Rock. Okay. Oh, Lover's Rock. I hope that was raspy enough. Anyways, uh, you know, I hadn't really thought too hard about this one before. Uh, I always thought it was just kind of a silly little R&B number uh, about, you know, finding a place to make love. Uh, but after reading through the lyrics, Frank, uh, I'm pretty sure this is about getting a girl pregnant and leaving them to deal with the baby on their own. Mm-hmm. Um and then mm-hmm. kind of the consequences. I love the tone of the song. And with a little bit of knowledge, uh, I'm stoked to realize, uh, uh, to recognize them <laughs> uh, champion, championing another group uh, such as women's rights. So what says you? Yeah, I mean, you definitely shouldn't get a, someone preggers and then leave. So, yeah, yeah. that's kind of a universal <laughs> truth right there. Uh, lovers wor- Rock, excuse me. I was going to say Lovers Worth. <laughs> lovers Rock is also a form of reggae. That's no surprise. Popular in London in the 70s. Fun song. Absolutely. Track 16. It's the Four Horsemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, presumably a uh, boisterous number about the boys in the band leading the charge into the future and the path of destruction it'll cause, but without giving away too much of how they're going to do it. Frank, this is a it's a fun one to me. Uh, what do you think were the clash? The, what do you think? Were the clash, the Four Horsemen, the punk rock apocalypse, or is it all, like most things, in my mind? I mean, there's an argument for it for sure, but even outside of... I think punk rock, just in rock music in general, you know, I I, th- I think there's an argument to be made. And I cannot stress enough uh, that, again, here we are at 16 and still giddy over the tunes. Absolutely. Well, we're going to move right on to track 17 because I'm not oh. down. Oh, uh, <laughs> sung by Jones. Am I? A song, <laughs> uh, a song I lean on when I'm not feeling uh, up to life, quite honestly. Yeah. Uh, it's openly questions the fragility of life, but manages to stay upbeat and positive. Musically, the band stretches their ability uh, with a little punk, ska, pop, and there's a little jazz break there to keep things fun. A really impressive number uh, on just so many Franks. (laughs) On so many fronts. Frank, (laughs) are you down? Uh, Not today, man. As we're talking about this album and this song, uh, I I love the fusion, the style, and doing that uh, with Joan's voice gives it a completely different vibe. I mean, it's almost as a different band, you know, uh, when mm-hmm. he's singing. So, again, really, really cool. Well, we're going back to the rock. This one's track 18, Revolution Rock, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. written by Jackie Edwards and Danny Ray, and originally performed by Danny Ray and the Revolutionaries. Uh, the original song opens with Danny Ray asking if people want him to play reggae, and they tell him no, they want something more. And that is, of course, revolution rock that they want. Uh, fusing reggae and rock together to mash up the nation, as the lyrics suggest. Uh, It's no wonder The Clash would have gravitated to a song like this. It speaks to what they were trying to create from the start. Frank, 
I didn't know this was a cover. Did you? Not at all, man. Not at all. And I always feel like a fake fan for not knowing this. Uh, again, love the fusion of styles. Really presents a nice finished product with this tune, but I had no idea it was a cover. <laughs> yeah, really cool. And the, the original is pretty dope. I recommend people checking it out. Yeah. Uh, as with all of the Clash's covers, it's like twice as fast as the original, yeah. which is crazy because the Clash isn't a fast band compared right. to today's punk standards. Anyways, track 19, it's the last one. Train in Vain, Stand By Me. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with Ben E. King's signature Stand by me. Uh, in fact, it's probably the easiest. It's probably easiest to describe it as the opposite of King's song. Yeah. Uh, it was seen as a hidden track, but really it was just such a late addition to the album. They didn't have time to include it on the album art or the label. Uh, it was actually the, the first Clash song to reach a top 30 chart in the U.S., Jones singing here. Strummer and Jones both have writing credits, uh, but clearly one or both of them is addressing being left to their own devices when things uh, go hard and calling that person or persons out for it. Uh, It's a fun little pop number. And if you're not paying close enough attention uh, to the lyrics, it can be hard to notice the darkness of the song. Uh, Frank, uh, you going to stand by me? Always, my man. Always. What's amazing about this tune is between this and Should I Stay or Should I Go, probably the two most famous Clash songs and they're both sung by Jones, which is amazing to think. Uh, I love this tune and all of its pop goodness. I've heard quite a few renditions over the years, and it actually translates well into a variety of styles. This is one of those timeless tunes that, uh, you know, you no wonder why it was a late minute edition, because they probably wrote it and they're like, hey, we got something here and place it all (laughs) the way at the end. I mean, hello. Hello. Oh, man, I, I can feel the heat coming off the amps and speakers, Ooh. Frank. Why don't you give us your final thoughts? All right. This album's significant for so many reasons. Uh, first of all, it takes a band that could have easily been pigeonholed and displays their conscious effort to expand the sound and show people that it doesn't necessarily have to be one way, i.e., just, uh, you know, really, that's the definition of punk and the individual at the end of the day, right? Uh, this album musically offers you everything you could possibly want. And uh, 18 songs, it doesn't actually seem long or drawn out because you're always getting something different. The topics are still relevant, but it's done in like a tastefully, like in a Fugazi way, where it's almost like a news report or an unbiased news report, right? So you could be like, oh, this is what's going on. Uh, you don't have to be political at all to enjoy these songs. Uh, as stripped down to their core, they really apply, I think to everyone who breathes. So uh, it's the blueprint for any band who wants to fuse together sounds in a big pot of goodness and satisfy all their cravings. One of the best albums ever, Hands Mother Clucker Down, 10 out of 10. There you go. What else can we say about this massive double LP that we really already haven't said? It, it serves to smash the rigid boundaries of punk rock. Uh, had a, a, had been trying to put up around itself, right? It, it just destroyed all of that, opening the Styles fan base up uh, for other artists to come in and expand upon what the, the work that they had done. This album gives off the impression that you've walked a mile in the band's shoes, yeah. uh, picking up all of their influences along the way. None of the songs linger too long to turn off, turn you off. Yep. It certainly keeps you wanting for more. Uh, it's themes still ring relevant today. And while you can say it sounds dated, I think that's just a shitty way of saying that it captures the time in which the uh, the record was recorded perfectly. Uh, so uh, say that instead. 
fucking pieces of shit. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Absolutely. This is uh, one of my favorite records of all time. Um, one of the, the best uh, albums by the, I mean, it's, it's just amazing. Look, I still have it here with me. Oh, look at that. Beauty, beauty. And sure. We mentioned it. The covers to take off uh, Elvis Presley's first album too. Right. Yep. With, with that, with that color scheme and the black and white photo, really, really cool. And how iconic with the smashing of the bass in this. So absolutely. Pretty cool. Man, my adrenaline's pumping. Any games you got for me so I could score 50% on them, Mark? Nope. You're off the hook this week. Oh. Uh, games will resume uh, at some point, but not to worry, Frank. Uh, uh, I know that you've got a great album for us to listen to. Next I do. Week. Would it be, my brother? All right. I got a goodie for you, bro, Ham. I'm ready. It's not the second step. It's not the second Zeppelin album. So don't worry. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> don't worry. So, you know, listen, I, I think we enjoyed this investigating kind of concept and digging into, of course, bands, catalogs, and especially mm-hmm. into groups that we haven't heard of before. Right. Yep. So last season, season two found in the archives, we, we found, we, we discovered Jawbox, right. Which was part of that, mm-hmm. dis- that discord family and, and Fugazi. So I'm going to take another band from that discord family, a okay. band where actually there's a little bit less information on them, um, but they have quite a, a steady and healthy catalog with a cult following. Now, I don't know if the album I'm going to present to you is indeed their best. It's just the one I've kind of clung to in listening and I wanted to share it with you and then we could go ahead and talk about it. Okay. So the band we're going to talk about is from Baltimore, Maryland. They started in 88 and their name is Lungfish. Lungfish. Part of the Discord family. Lungfish. The album we're going to go ahead and be highlighting is their third record and that's called Rainbows from Adams, 1993. Uh, First couple of listens, you know, I think you'll enjoy it. It's not overly uh, punk. It's kind of more post-hardcore with some experimental. But I said, cool. let's let's dig into it. Let's see if we get a new uh, band that we that we go to, and uh, let's let's see what we got. Oh, hello! <laughs> so, thank you, everyone, for joining. It's going to be a fun episode next time. This was a fun episode too. Thank you for joining. <laughs> Spending time, like, subscribe, rate, review. Remember, be safe out there. Yeah, thanks as always for listening, friends. Can't wait to do it again, real, real soon. Uh, mm-hmm. Till then, why don't you say it with me? Oh my, my! Oh hell yes! Oh, bye bye, bye bye. Frank, I didn't write any jokes for after the show. Oh, my gosh. (laughs)